to it. So one youth, right, we are just a Sunday program. Like we are, we meet Sunday nights, but we're more than a Sunday program, if you weren't aware. One youth is a part of One Heart Church. And you might go, well, there's a church over there, there's a church over there, One Heart Church here. What's the difference? Why is it all their churches? And I'm not, I'm not going to get caught in all the weeds of the difference of churches, but I want to say that, um, yes, there are differences. And what makes One Heart, One Heart Church? And it's because One Heart has a different DNA. So what makes a church a church? Basically, we, to be a church means it's full of believers that believe in Jesus. That's the fundamental of what a church. But then maybe how the worship sounds, how things are structured, the DNA is different. Same principles, but just a different DNA. And so for One Youth, we want to, in term one this year, look into the DNA of One Heart Church and so well, what makes us One Heart? What makes us our flavour? And we want to look in that and explore the DNA of One Heart Church as a youth ministry because the, the, we're not some different thing. That is us. And if that's us, we want to live it out in a great and meaningful way. And so in the Bible, there's a book called Ephesians. Can everyone say Ephesians? Ephesians. And so if, you, if this is your first time in youth and you're unfamiliar with the Bible, we believe in this book. We believe it's not just um, fairy tales. We believe it's real history, that it's people that walk the planet, and that God divinely used humans to create a message to us. And that's what this book is. And so there's a, a church years, years and years ago called, uh, in a town called Ephesus. And so a guy called Paul is writing a book, or look, it's a book to us, but it was a letter to the church in Ephesus. And so he instructs that church. And in, a, in chapters 4, we see a passage there. And uh, so Ephesians 4, 1 to 7, we would say that is the DNA of One Heart Church. What separates us from other churches is what we read in Ephesians 4, 1 to 7. And so is that, do we have that on the screen, Larissa? So we're gonna, I'm going to read this for us to, together. Ephesians 4, 1 to 7. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, just as uh, you have been called to one glorious hope for the future, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. So, if we want to know, well, what makes one heart, one heart? We want to see that reflected in your life. We're going to be a community of people that make allowances for each other's faults, that we believe that there's one God, that there's one Father. All of those things, we want that to reflect us. So that's the DNA of us as a church, right? And so tonight, um, and so as we come to every power night for term one this year, we're going to break down a different verse in Ephesians 4, 1 to 7. And so being week one, I'm going to start with verse one. Are we, is that, are we happy with that? So before we do, I want to tell us a story. So there was a young child, maybe if you want to close your eyes and you can picture it better, however you uh, hear stories. Uh, reading with me. So a young child once asked their father, what are the origin, origins of the human race? 
Hmm. The dad answered, easy. God made Adam and Eve and they had children. That's how people were created. A few days later, a few days later, the child asked her, the, her mother the same question. She asked, um, and the mother answered, a long, long time ago in a galaxy not so far away here, there was monkeys that involved into humans. Now this confused the child. So the child goes back to the father, yo dad, you told me humans were created by God and mum says they developed from monkeys. The dad answers, well, it's very simple. I told you about my side of the family and she told you about hers. So we see there, it's, that's a bit of a funny story, but we're going we're gonna to break down the truth of, of that story for us. Now, I think we've got a picture for us to debate. So if humans are made by God, did they have a belly button? Question mark. You've got to ponder that. So if we, because I believe in the Bible, I believe in the word of God, right? And it says that in Genesis, God created Adam and Eve. So it points the question, well, you need, if, if you're going to be born, you've needed the belly button for your umbilical cord. That's how you got fed. So if you were created, did you need a belly button? Do we, not, do we have a quick vote? Stand up. Quick, we'll do a quick vote. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Everyone stand up. But if you think Adam and Eve had a belly button, stay standing. If you think that they didn't have a belly button, no, if you think they did have a belly, sit down. If they don't have a belly button, stand up. So, you, so if you're standing up, they didn't have a belly button. They didn't. Yes. So if they had a belly button, they're sitting down. Interesting. So it's proven here on the council of this, Adam and Eve had no belly button. All right, we can all go have a seat. We can all go have a seat. But that's always a question that always comes to my mind. When we're talking about Adam and Eve being created by God, did they have a belly button? We do, but I think they didn't. Okay. So uh, interesting Interesting situation. Thank you, Larissa. You can uh, you can get, relieve our eyes of that of that that sight. So we 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 read this. We heard this story about this child going to her parents, saying, "What? How did humans? Where did humans come from? How did they exist?" And our, if we're going to be a Bible believing Christian, if we're going to do it God's way, and we're going to be a disciple, we believe in Genesis. And we believe in the creation account that we weren't the monkey that got lucky. I, I, just, I just don't believe that. I, I don't believe my great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was a monkey. I don't believe that. I believe I was divinely created by a father in heaven. That's my belief. And so we believe we were intentionally designed. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a oops, uh-oh. No, that was pre-planned for your life. You were intentionally created. You're placed on earth for a reason. God has made more uh, for your life than just occupying space. God didn't just go, oh, Port Lincoln needs another person just to walk on those streets. No, he put you in Port Lincoln for a reason. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. More than just consuming food, your destiny isn't to wake up, eat food, and go back to sleep. God's placed you for something greater than just that, that, that repeat. And Paul calls that destiny, Paul calls that uh, purpose the call of God. And God has a call of God for your life. Shell has got the call of God on her life. Larissa has a call of God on her life. Kalia 
has a call of God on our life. Montana has a call of God on your life. Can you tell the person near you, you got the call of God on your life? We've got to understand that. We Say it on yourself. I got the call of God on my life. You've got to understand that. So Ephesians 4, uh, chapter 1. Uh, Ephesians 4, chapter 1, when it comes up. Therefore, I, this is Paul talking to us. Well, he's talking to the church in Ephesus, which is now talking to us. I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Can we just pray right now and just believe that? So God, right now, we just thank you that 2023 is going to be one of the best years one youth has ever seen because we are going to commit to the call of God. We're going to be believers that don't just hear your word, but we activate your word in our lives, that we come into agreement with it, that we let it transform us, renew us, shape us, that we would be uh, people that when we wake up, the enemy goes, uh-oh, get it, they're awake. God, I just believe that we're going to have that authority, that power, and that, me- and that uh, uh, position in life in 2023 as a youth ministry. And these believers said, amen. We agree. Fantastic. So this dude called Paul is being a good Christian, doing the will of God, and finds himself in prison. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not what I would pick. If I'm going to do what God's called me to do, I don't think being in prison is the place I want to be. When you can think about, oh, well, God could take me over here. God could take me over there. My first pick isn't, God, take me to prison. Do I have any, does that, people agree with that? I can think of 101 places better than being locked in the prison with the call of God. But Paul is living in the purpose of God and finds himself in prison, right? And this is the first thing I want us to, to take note of tonight and get a hold of. So Paul is in prison in Rome, and in, in it, it would be justifiable for Paul to complain. It would make sense for him to whinge. It would make sense for him to whine. It would make sense for him, him to be... Um, I won't say that, but it, it makes sense for Paul to say, it's unfair, this is not right. Um, he's meant to be a preacher preaching to, the, to the, the churches, and he's locked up in a room in a prison. What's going on here? But Paul had a different spirit. We've got to understand this. Paul had a different attitude. He says, I'm called by God. I have a purpose. I have a destiny. I have a mission to complete. And everyone in the building, you've got to understand, you have a mission by God, a divine appointment from Him, the call to complete a mission that only you can do, that only you have been destined for. And so it's easy in life to compromise our purpose because of our position. We've got to understand that. It's so easy in life to compromise our purpose because of our position. And so your position can't change your purpose Your position can't prevent your purpose, but your attitude will. Your spirit will. The way you think will. How you perceive life will. But what I love about Paul, he didn't let his position dictate his purpose. He let his purpose dictate his position. And we've got to be a young people. We've got to be a generation that says, God, we're not going to let the circumstances that I find myself in dictate the call of God in my life. I'm going to dictate my circumstances because of the call of God in my life. So we've got to refocus, realign, recalibrate, them, and say mission comes before position. 
The reason why I exist, it's mission before position. Purpose doesn't change because your position has. You've got to understand that. Just because of where you're situated doesn't change the call of God on your life. So Paul lived a life where his purpose wasn't affected by his position. And I'm believing that for you, Ethan. Your call of God on your life isn't going to be affected by your position. Well, why am I here? Why did this happen? Things might happen that aren't fair, that don't make sense, but we've got to understand and flip the script that this isn't my destiny. The call of God is my destiny. So Paul doesn't go, oh, well, that's it, God. I'm in prison now. Right? He doesn't fold his legs and go, this is unfair. What's the point of this? I should be preaching to the churches and I'm here in prison. You know what he goes? I'm called by God. I've got a destiny. I've got a mission to complete. Well, I might not be able to leave this room, but I can write letters that will leave this room. Yo, 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 Chloe, get me the paper. Yo, yo, Pastor Claire, get me the pen. I've got to start writing letters. I've got to start doing something. I've got to start activating where I am rather than dreading where he wasn't, rather than going, if only I could be over there. He goes, you know what? Well, I'm right here and this, doesn't, this position doesn't change my purpose. I'm going to activate my purpose in my position. And I want to encourage you tonight, Bill, you got the call of God all over your life. Don't let your position dictate your purpose. Let your purpose dictate your position. And go, you know what? When the enemy tries to do this, when the enemy tries to change things and attack us, we go, you know what? This might not be ideal, but I'm still called here, and I'm going to make a way through it. And I love that about Paul, and we've got to learn that from Paul. The next thing we want to talk about, so if we've been called, it says, it says so yeah, purpose over position. We always got to, we got to live that life. Well, we live with purpose over position and we'll be called. That's living in the call of God is when we understand purpose comes before position. So when we start living a life with purpose over position, the other thing Paul says to us is that we need to understand that, first of all, we've been called by God. He has a mission, a divine plan for us. Second of all, we've got to live a life worthy of the calling. So if we've been called by God, we've got to understand that's a precious thing. That's a valuable thing. It's an honorable thing. It's a privilege. Now, have you ever heard the statement, look with your eyes, not your hands? Who's ever heard that? Because there are people telling us that, saying, that is a valuable thing. That's a precious thing. Don't do the, oops, it broke. Oops, <laughs> it shattered. Because it's a precious thing. It's a valuable thing. And Paul is saying in a similar way, treat the call of God carefully. Treat the call of God with respect, with reverence, because God has given you something special. Don't abuse it. Don't waste it. It's like if you had an iPhone, you don't keep it on the bottom drawer. You put power in that thing and get the most out of it, because it's a good thing. Live, use your phone to its full capacity. I've never seen someone use an iPhone as a paperweight. It could be used as that. I've never seen it, because there's so much more in it, and we activate it to its full capacity. Don't be a paperweight iPhone Christian or Android. Be, don't use your laptop as a, as a paperweight. No, you use it for a computer because it's got more in it. There's more in the call of God for your life than doing nothing. We've got to understand that as a youth ministry. So, uh, uh, yeah, do you place value on the call that God's given you? Or do we just treat it like trash? Oh, oh, well, it's there. Oh, well. No, let's not treat it like trash. Let's give it the respect it deserves. And the way we do that is a word called faithfulness. Can everyone say that with me? Faithfulness. 
So what, what, is, what is the opposite of faithfulness? So faithfulness is not distraction. That is, faithfulness is not distraction. Faithfulness is not compromise. Faithfulness is not excuses. But faithfulness is being committed, reliable, and responsible. So faithfulness is turning up when no one else does. Ooh, but that's faithfulness. When, when I know Erica's is going to be here week in, week out. Why? Because Erica has faithfulness on the call of God in our life. Where we might go, well, where's this person? Where's that person? Because they lack faithfulness. But when you have faithfulness, we know that person's going to be there. Because they've said, I've got something on my life that I'm going to share with others. That's the call of God on her life. And so we honor Erica for her faithfulness. And so can I encourage you, encourage you with a challenge for 2023? Let this be a year where you're, not, where you're going to decide, this year I'm just going to turn up every single week. Why? Because I want to have faithfulness. Because I believe God's got a call for my life, and I want to sharpen that, strengthen that, equip myself to live a life worthy of the calling. And it starts with faithfulness. Say, this, this year, I'm going to be there every week. No excuse, no compromise, no distraction. I'm going to be there because I'm putting value on the call of God on my life. Because I'm going to live a life worthy of the calling. Faithfulness sees what no one else sees. I reckon I got that yet. So faithfulness sees what no one else sees. So what does that mean? Other words we can use is initiative, ownership, responsibility. So what does that look like? You see someone at school who's a loner. The person who faithfulness, you see what no one else sees. I notice that person is a loner when everyone else just ignores it. They, they just walk straight past it. You go, you know what? That person is lonely. Well, I've got the call of God in my life. Hey, you know what? I'm going to be a friend to the, the, the people without friends. That's the call of God, where you notice things that no one else notices. You see some dirt and some rubbish, and you know what? You go, I notice that. I'm going to be the one that vacuums that up. Not just go, well, uh, and other people just walk straight past it. But you go, I have faithfulness. No one else notices it, but I do it because that's faithfulness. You, um, you, when you might just see something dumped somewhere. That doesn't belong there. That's not where that goes. But the faithful person goes, you know what? I'll be the one to change that. I'll be, because I, I noticed it. And because you, you understand, God's called me to more than just going, oh, well, this and that. No, God's got a call on my life and I'm going to activate it. Secondly, faithfulness, you do what no one else sees. So first, you see what no one else sees. Second, you do what no one else sees. So faithfulness is when, uh, you, when other people go, oh, hey, let's all go to Macca's and have fun, which is great. Let's go to Macca's and ha- have fun. But you go, you know what? Before I go to Macca's, I'm going to be vacuuming the, the, the church. B- before I go to Macca's, I'm going to reset the chairs back up. That's faithfulness. When no one else notices, but God notices, because you go, you know what? There's more to my life than just uh, having a good time, but there's a call of God in my life. And there's so many different illustrations and examples we could give. But I want us to decide in 2023, we're going to commit to faithfulness because there's a call of God in our life where it's not a... Because God sees it. God will reward it. Humans might not see it, but God sees it. And uh, you do what no one else sees. In the book of Genesis, there's a man called Joseph. And it's a crazy situation. A woman comes and tries to do dodgy stuff with Joseph. It's like, hey, Joseph, let's do dodgy stuff. And Joseph has a backbone. He goes, I'm living a life worthy of the call of God on my life. But he goes, you know what? Just because, and, and this, the person's like, no one would know. No one will notice. But Joseph goes, yes, God knows. 
and I know. No one may ever notice, but God knows and I know because Joseph chose to live a life of faithfulness where you do what no one else sees. And let's be that generation, one youth, hey, where we commit to faithfulness. In closing, 2 Timothy 1.6. 2 Timothy 1.6. This is what Paul is writing another letter again. So again, because Paul lived a life where he's calling, he goes, you know what, I've got to make Timothy... And I've got to write to him and encourage him. And this is what he says to Timothy in verse 6. This is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God has given you when I laid my hands on you. Interesting. Why don't we all stand up to our feet as we come into a landing? But what, what we see there, so I'm going to read that again. This is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Now, who's ever seen a fire Who's ever seen a fire, right? So fires can be big and bright and, and bubbling, or not bubbling, but you know what I mean? Just whatever it is. But, or we can see a little candle, just a little flickering candle. But Paul's saying to Timothy, don't be the little flickering candle when you can be an explosive baptism. When you can be a raging bushfire, where you go, you know what? That, this is just like out of control, but because it's all in. What? Okay, a little candle. Okay, breathe a little bit of light. Let's light the place up. Let's be a, like, what, why do a little when you can do a lot? That's just my bit. Like, why, why be content with this? Like, is that a little candle out there? Oh, there's a fire going on over there. That's a life I want to live where it's like, it's not just like you got to get up real close and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a candle. No, no, I want to be, people from a distance know there's something happening there. There's something happening in their life. God's got to hold of them. Because that's living the call. And he goes, you know what? I laid my hands on you and I deposited something of the call of God on your life. Now fan that into flame. And for 2023, we want to start our year off by as leaders laying our hands on you and releasing something of the call of God on your life that you could decide next week, the week after. This will be a week where we, where we fan to flame the calling of God in my life. No excuse, no compromise. God, we're faithful. No, in Jesus' name. Is that cool? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and then we're gonna, our, our team's going to sing, and we're going to come and lay hands. If, and as, as youth, you might you want to lay hands to that person. Lay your hands and deposit something of the call of God on people's lives, because we believe that we're going to see something powerful take place this year, when we don't just be candles, where we're raging fires with the call of God awesome way, alright? So Holy Spirit, right now, why don't we just raise our hands as a sign of saying, God, we're reaching out to you. God, right now, as we as a as this generation of young people, reach out to you. We believe for more. We believe for greater. And God, we don't want to be a small candle that's barely noticeable. God, we want to fan into flame the fire of God that you've called us to live. God, we want to be a generation of faithfulness where we see what no one else sees, but we do what no one else sees because we're faithful. And ultimately, God, we want to be a generation marked that we put purpose over position, that no longer do we let our circumstance dictate how we feel, but we say circumstance, we have joy, we have peace, we have courage, because God's got the call of God in our life, and we're not going to be that easily silenced, we're not going to be that easily timid, because God's got more for me, in Jesus' name.